Charles pauses to make sure I agree. I nod. My thoughts are elsewhere, but he trusts my serious expression. I call him Charles in my head, but address him as Monsieur Vincent, the aging, dignified scholar who sits uncomfortably in the snack bar at Chancellor Green. It is late May and humid, and the lights have been turned off in a half-hearted attempt to cool the room. Monsieur Vincent wears a linen suit buttoned over a pale blue-collared shirt. His leather shoes are well-worn but polished, the color of amber. I'm wearing a paisley print dress and espadrilles. My heavy black hair hugs the back of my neck and the sides of my face. I resist the urge to fan my face. I try to pay attention. I think about how formal his French sounds and remind myself to use the subjunctive. I have tried not to look at them. I have thought about burning them, but that is barbaric. That's what the Nazis did. My own father, not a Nazi, not officially, but close. He first showed me his collection when I was very young, nine or so. Even then, I couldn't stand them. I was more taken with illuminated manuscripts, with the faces of saints and the words of the Bible, than I was with this propaganda my father forced on me. We never understood each other. He was a military officer and a patriot in the worst sense of the word. I owed loyalty only to God, not to the whims of the French army, the government. All cowards, all fools. He doesn't raise his voice. He's more sad than angry. I try to imagine him as a young boy and can't. His hair is white, and his thick square glasses make his dark eyes seem smaller. I'm a coward as well, Sophia. You must understand that. I spent the war in a Cistercian monastery near Gaul, about an hour from where I live now. I was ready to renounce the world. It was one I wanted to forget, anyway. I thought the church the most permanent thing in the world, the best. But the church does not always behave so well. I'm ashamed of the way I cloistered myself from the war. But it is a charming place, anyway. The monks grow poppies and lavender. They never leave the grounds. We'll pay the abbey a visit when you come. So, Charles has led a life of passive resistance. When war broke out, he sought sanctuary in monastic life, rising at 4 a.m. for the office of vigils, praying the psalms, laboring in the fields, searching for holiness in the strict application of the rule of St. Benedict. After the war, he left the monastery before taking his final vows, gave up on the church, the institution, not the religion, and detached himself in a different way. He immersed himself in studies at the École Nationale des Chartes and became a renowned medievalist, the author of the definitive six-volume work Les Cisterciennes et la Vierge. I'm afraid of making a similar mistake. It's not that we study the same things, not at all. I spend lots of time with French critical theory, which has become a big deal, and I should be excited, but I'm not. I'm bored. 
I don't know if I'll finish. Princeton has given me a grant and an extension on my dissertation, which is supposed to be encouraging. Monsieur Vincent doesn't care about my studies, though, just that I speak French fluently and seem honest and good. It's my serious face, something like a solemn pre-Gothic Madonna, thinking in Charles' terms. I've known Charles for nine days. Jane, my supervisor at Princeton's rare books department, introduced us. Jane is plump and wears round tortoiseshell glasses and is as scornful of my studies as I am. She likes to roll her eyes whenever I complain about how my job in rare books distracts from my research.